0: Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. Welcome back drawn and paneled podcast listener to episode 18 of the drawn and paneled podcast with me as always today is Jason Hey, everybody. And John is here. Hey there. On today's podcast, we cover a DC drug issue, the final Marvel Netflix series, and a book about frozen jocks. Yeah, but first... That sounds <laughs> chilly. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into any of that, though, we have some listener email. Yeah. Ooh, this comes to us straight from Stu Baka. Hey, I love Stubaka. Stubbock is one of our favorite Gen X grown up peeps. He watches all our live streams, listens to all our podcasts. The guy just can't get enough of Gen X grown up and apparently drawn and paneled as well. And he's a patron over at Patreon. We, we he triple is love Patreon. I know, right? We need more of those triple threats. Podcast, YouTube, and patrons. We need more of that. Creating the mold for the future fan, I think.
1: <laughs>
0: Stubaka says, Hey, George, I had a quick thought. I've been listening to podcasts and love them. And I approve of the addition of John. Maybe give him the business course, a little bit more, though. Of course. Wait a minute. Challenge <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I, I like the approve of him part. I don't want the business, though. <laughs> I like to give the business. Jason's kind of doing that. Maybe I need to do a little bit more. I get plenty of business. Thank you very much. <laughs> hmm. He says, when I first got into comics, I got about half a short box filled of duplicates from a friend of books that he didn't want. And it totally opened my eyes to what I was missing. I got several parts of the Uncanny X-Men series, Follow the Mutants, and that was it. I fell in love with those characters and really wanted to know more of those stories. However, there was another book in there, a DC series that I never hear anyone reference, Blue Devil. Oh my God, Stubaka, it's one of my favorite series of all time. <laughs> I have like the first 20 or 30 issues wow. back from when I was kid. I'm still collecting. I love Blue Devil. He was awesome. He was like this guy who was a stuntman for TV and films. This You know, he could do all these different flips and dodges and everything. And he's in this Blue Devil costume for one of the movies and it gets bonded to him and he can't get the costume off. Isn't that a vacuum cleaner? What? <laughs> no,
1: it's <laughs> that's the dirt devil. That's a dirt devil. Dirt devil. Devil I'm thinking of. Okay.
0: Sorry. Okay. There you go. (laughs) I don't know the blue devil then. (laughs) He goes on to say, "I love that book. I try to get them whenever I can find them. Keep up the great work. I look forward to all your future podcasts." P.S. Not to be too cliched, but excelsior. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: liked everything about that except giving me the business. But aside from that, excellent
0: email. That was my favorite part, man. (laughs) That was was Jason's 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 favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) part. It was my favorite part too. I think we're going to try and incorporate in today's show so jason you know get your giving the business gears going and oh, we'll yeah. find out how they do right after this thanks chewbacca it's the joe
2: where's the new cobra commander Yeah, with the new cobra pogo now it's in front of you now it's behind raptor let's take off and attack cobra joe's got trouble he's got it bad those cobras got a pogo and it's <laughs> Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo, Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at GenXGrownUp.com If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Oh Basically
1: George and John, let's talk about what's happening in the comic book world. And there's quite a few things going on. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about it. I was poking around and saw that there's a new digital subscription service available called Graphite. I know you've probably heard of Comixology, Marvel Unlimited, Mm -hmm. DC has Mm -hmm. a new subscription service, but there's a new kid on the block now.
0: Okay, so if Marvel and DC have their own, how is something like Graphite going to compete? Because I'm Assuming they're not going to give their titles to anybody other than maybe comiXology because that's part of Amazon and that's so big.
3: Right.
1: But how are they going to compete? Well, this is a new service. It has over 10,000 titles available. What? Mostly independent books and like creator-owned oh, stuff. Hmm. Nice. It's also free. What?
0: what? Wait, wait, wait. Free? For it's what? Free. For us? Or for the people who are putting their comic books on there?
1: It is free for subscribers. It's an app you can download. Uh, you can go on the website, too, but we'll have a link in the show notes. Now, it is, you know, because it's free, it, there'll be a lot of ads in the books. Uh, you can okay. also pay four ninety nine a month for ad-free service, too. It's a little okay. limited right now with what they have, but it's still kind of a neat, you it's know. It's
0: not that limited with 10,000 books. That's quite a few. I mean it is that's almost as much or more than what DC opened with with their service. So it's like all you can eat for free with
2: ads or all you can eat four ninety nine without ads.
1: Right. Huh. Right. So they've got a lot of stuff from Boom, uh IDW, Aspen, really? Arkea. Yeah. No image, Man. no dark horse yet.
0: Do they have a lot of money behind them or something? Like have they is this an investable company or did somebody just say, I want to put up a service and they're doing this by the seat of their pants?
1: Well <sighs> I didn't get that far. There's an article too about about the start of this company. It's people that are familiar with comics and been in the industry and wanted to do this service. They're hoping at some point to add Marvel and DC. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I doubt mm. it. Mm-hmm. But they did develop the app to be sort of like you know how Netflix once you watch a certain number of things, it starts making recommendations based on your
0: profile a bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so this is what this does, whereas I think other, you know, um, DC and Marvel have, you know, picks based on editor recommendations. But this has picks based on what you've downloaded and read. So it uses an AI format to give you recommendations of what else you should look into and to read. So they've, they've taken some time with this. We'll see where it goes.
0: Well, that's a really cool thing that comic books are being used for right now, but Jason, there's something else that comic books are not very coolly being used for. There is a news article that you found. Apparently, copies of DC comics are being used to smuggle methamphetamines into Australia. Yeah. In the weeds. I mean, okay, first, how do you have to smuggle drugs into Australia? I kind of figured they were probably just already there. Then number two, why DC? Why not Marvel or Image? Or why does it need to be DC? I, I
1: don't know why it was DC. It may have been it, there may have been other comics in. Ball, but they were using the mail service and they, I guess they were fans of DC comics or maybe they weren't fans of DC comics and <laughs> I decided to
2: hide. I think it's DC stands for drug comics, drug
0: comics. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm reading a little bit of the article and they recently Seized three kilograms of meth along with cannabis and other items. I'm really curious to know what the other items are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The group reportedly smuggled $1 million worth of drugs from the U.S. to Australia using the mail and other courier services. In the pages of comic books. That's
1: crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know how that didn't get caught, you know, beforehand, but...
2: (laughs) And you have to wonder how many super desirable comics the collectors would have loved were destroyed by baking drugs into them. I mean, you would think. I mean, it's just like it might have been worth
0: more than the drugs. Who knows? (laughs) It says the operation has dismantled a significant criminal network and removed over 30,000 books off the Queensland streets. Wow. 30,000 comic books.
1: That's a lot of books.
0: <laughs> Holy crap. That's just crazy. Yeah, supply and demand. How many? <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> <I got it. laughs>
0: well, that's a good segue then. The last little bit of news that we have today. Talk about supply and demand. Netflix will no longer supply the demand <laughs> of Marvel fans for TV series. Oh, the final one has dropped its final season jessica jones season three has been released and we won't see any of their like ever again
2: yeah well i mean you know marvel's disney thing and there anything they do new that's not going to be in the cinematic uh in the theaters i'm sure that disney plus is going to be carrying all those things in
0: the future it's
2: we know that's why they pulled the plug on netflix not because it wasn't quality and it wasn't making money for them but they can make more money themselves on disney plus now
0: i i suppose so yeah. and i'm sure that that was a large portion of it i know there are articles that i've read that talk about netflix may have a hard time Staying afloat now that Disney has, you know, put this new service out there because Disney owns so much of the content that was on Netflix that they might really be hurting at this point because it's not just movies. Yeah. It's There's a lot ABC, of stuff. ESPN, yep. mm-hmm. all this kind of craziness. And I know that there are new series that are going to be developed for that new Disney Marvel service, but I haven't heard any real substantive rumors as to these Netflix series being redone in that no, not context. So I'm kind of sad. Because yeah, they yeah, I don't said know if those people are going to be around yeah. or not. You know, it's you know it's kind of the end of a of a short run era. I mean, how long have these things been going on? Six years, maybe, maybe five maybe years, maybe at the or most five at tops.
1: I think it's been all that four. Long. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. Okay. I think yeah. was yeah. the first Daredevil. It was a Daredevil. Okay, well, so this might be years. very telling.
2: I mean, are you guys? so have you watched it? Are you continuing to watch these all the way to the bitter end? Because for myself, like I watched the first you know, I watched the first Daredevil, the first Jessica Jones and then it started to peter out and I haven't been paying that much attention. Maybe is that also a factor or is it just me? Maybe everyone else is still riveted and they're watching them as they come out.
0: I think it depends on your on your level of comic book commitment, really. I mean, they are great series and they captured the imagination of people who were non-comic book fans just as much or more so than Mm -hmm. comic book fans because they were so well done. Right. Right. But I think you had to be a dedicated comic book fan to really stick with a couple of these series because, you know, I've talked about it before. Um, Some of the things like Iron Fist, a lot of people didn't really like that series, especially the first season. I really enjoyed it. And then when they did the Defenders, they got a lot of bad reviews. And so a lot of people just stopped watching it altogether just based on that kind of thing. So I've stuck with them I've watched everything except for I've still got a couple of episodes of the second season okay. of Punisher left. I've still got a couple of episodes of the final season of Luke Cage left, and I haven't started watching Jessica Jones yet because, as we talked about on the Gen X Grown-Up podcast, John, I am in the middle of my A-list movie roulette <laughs> yeah. game, and I can't quite find the time <laughs> to to start watching it. And I want to watch it right. all at once because, you know, that's the way you really
1: need you to do maximize that A-list series. membership. Right. So
2: it,
0: it can be a challenge to find time yeah. to see three movies a week. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've watched them all and I'm on about episode four or five of this season of Jessica Jones so Mm. far. So
0: how has it been so far then?
1: It has been very slow. Mm, Really? Yeah, I, I may just need to kind of focus on it I was you know reading comics and doing some other stuff it's it's like the other seasons and you know it takes a while for it to really ramp up Um, a lot of you know it kind of picks up from the last season uh, with her you know kind of having a feud a little bit with her friend Trish and some other things going on but yeah it's, 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 it's a little slow but we'll see we'll see what happens
0: well that doesn't bode well then for it being picked up by Disney if it's coming off as a little slow to a comic book fan who's followed through all the seasons of all the shows. I enjoyed what I watched of the Punishers last season. I thought that was really well done. Maybe the Punisher and Daredevil are enough to bring some of them over into that universe. I really hope so because those were I think those were probably my two favorite series in the Netflix Marvel universe.
1: I agree. Yeah. Daredevil season three was amazing. Um, oh
0: yeah. It was incredible. I couldn't stop watching that one. That was, in, that was impressive. Um, and you know they had some great actors as well that I hope they're so good that you know they're going to get picked up to do other things. I just hope it's not like a firefly thing where they get so busy and so popular and do other things that they can never get back to something Mm -hmm. that was this good because that's that's one of the things that happened to firefly right as time wore on the actors and actresses from that show just they could never find time to get together and say okay we're gonna do something now because everybody was so busy but I, i hope that the some of these at least find their way over to disney and marvel and you know we'll see how it goes
2: Hey, Spidey, isn't Marvel's new Pizzazz magazine fantastic? Fantastic, but not perfect. But Pizzazz has the lowdown on Jaws, too. And more Sean Cassidy picks than his mother. It's sensational. Sensational,
3: but not perfect. How
2: about Pizzazz's goofy guide to TV?
0: Welcome to the Drawn and Paneled Hot Seat Interview. In this part of the show, we sit down with a special creator, writer, artist, or celebrity from the comic book world to find out what makes them tick. Today's guest is Paul Constant, writer of Planet of the Nerds from Ahoy Comics. Paul, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing
3: great. The seat's a little hot, but otherwise everything's fine. (laughs) How are are
0: you? I'm doing great. We are so happy to have you here today. I just want to give you a little brief idea of why we asked you to be on the show. One of our co-hosts, John, he is a big Gen X grown-up nerd, he saw your book being advertised in one of the places that we find new comic books online. And he was like, that's a book that I really want to read. Can we do that one on this? I said, well, let me reach out and see if I can find somebody. So we were fortunate enough to contact someone from Ahoy Comics who put us in touch with you. And here you are today, sir. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm going to jump right in, sir. Tell us a little bit about where you were born. Where's home?
3: Well, I was uh, born in Maine, uh, Portland, Maine. Maine was where I was physically born. I grew up in Buxton, Maine, uh, which uh, the only claim to fame of Buxton is that it's where Morgan Freeman buries the gold at the end of uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Spoiler alert, okay. I guess. Sorry. Uh, nice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, and so I grew up there. And then when I turned uh, 19, I moved away and I've lived in Boston and I've lived in uh, Colorado for a little bit. And uh, since 2000, I've lived in Seattle. So Seattle's really my my home.
0: Seattle's where you call calling home now. That's yeah. awesome. So tell us a little bit about your work in the comic book industry? I mean, we know we're here today to talk about Planet of the Nerds, but I'm sure you've done quite a bit so far in the comic book world.
3: Well, I haven't done too much, actually. It's uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of a kind of a comic book baby, honestly. Uh, you know, for for years, uh, I worked in bookstores. I worked at a Borders back when Borders books and music was a thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. And uh, then I got a job working in an alternative weekly out here in Seattle. And I, I got a note uh, on... i think via Facebook from a comic writer, an editor named Tom Payer, who uh, was at, you know, DC, he was an editor on uh, Grant Morrison's uh, Doom Patrol series Ooh, at Vertigo. Okay. And, and he was, he, he was just very nice. He, he was living in Seattle and he really liked what I was writing. And, and uh, I was a big fan of his cause I've been a comic nerd my whole life. Um, so, you know, we, we would exchange notes uh, and stuff every once in a while. Um, then uh, I got a, a Email from him a year and a half ago, something like that, saying he was starting a new comic company called Ahoy, and um, ah, he wanted okay. to talk to some uh, writers because the whole thing with Ahoy Comics is uh, there's a, a lead story, uh, and then there's a backup comic of about you know five to seven pages, and then there are text pages in the in the comic too um, that can be anything from like fiction, poetry, restaurant reviews, you name it. Uh, and so at first, Tom wanted to know if I wanted to write. Some of the prose pieces in the issue, and uh, okay. and uh, he also asked if I had any comic pitches, and I pitched him Planet of the Nerds, and uh, which was an idea I'd had for a while, and he liked it, and he picked it up immediately. Wow! Yeah, it was it was kind of out of the out of the blue, and. Um, I had always wanted to write comics, but I never had a had a had uh, had an in. And so Tom uh, had me write some backup stories for Ahoy for his series with Jamal Igle, The Wrong Earth, which is a, okay, a, a, right. a great comic. I've, so I wrote some backups of that that are sort of based on the old, uh, you know, sort of uh, there was a, a Robin comic book series in the 50s that was a very bizarre sort of, you know, uh, uh, a, kind of a kid's comic, although there was always sort of a weird malevolent edge to the stories. So I did a few of those and and, uh, just to sort of get used to writing and collaborating and stuff like that. And then I started writing Planet of the Nerds.
0: That's a great entry vector into becoming what my childhood dream was, and I'm sure a lot of kids growing up reading comics, you know, to create your own comic book, have a guy reach out to you and say, hey, have you got something you like to pitch? Well, I kind of like this idea. That's yeah. great. Let's make it a comic book. That's awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Only took 41 years and uh, right. here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Success overnight. There uh-huh. <laughs> you go.
0: Well, give us a brief elevator pitch, a 30 second description of Planet of the Nerds.
3: Uh, so what Planet of the Nerds is, is it's about Three high school jocks from the 1980s who are accidentally frozen in a cryogenic accident and then uh, revived in the modern day, and they are horrified to learn that the planet is ruled by nerds. That uh, <laughs> you know, Mark Zuckerberg is one of the richest men in the world, and and comic book movies are multiplexes, and and the whole social order order has been upturned. <laughs>
0: That's you know, because this happens every day. This yes, is just absolutely. you know a tale as old as time, right? I can only I can only write for my life. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) pretty cool. Well, tell us what your inspiration was for the book.
3: You know, I just uh, my whole life, like I said, I've been a a comic book nerd. Like I learned how to read on old uh, Charlie Brown collections and uh, and, uh, Mort Weisinger Superman comics are kind of like my Bible, you know, uh, the the old weird 50s Superman books. And uh, so you know, I mean, I was I had a a decent amount of bullying in high school. I didn't get the worst of it for sure. But now being a nerd is cool. And 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 so just thinking about the difference that I've seen in my life, going from when I was twelve to my forties, and just how at one time there was a lot of shame around around being a nerd. So you know, writing about these these jocks who are thought out at a time when they were the big men on campus in the eighties. You know, they were they were expected to be the leaders of society, uh, and then to have the rug pulled out from under them seemed really interesting now. And also the fact that nerds are sort of you know the dominant culture and society San Diego comic-con is, is, uh, big cultural. Yeah, it's not still. only cool anymore. Now it's profitable, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I just wanted to sort of examine that intersection. What happens when you, when, you know, the tables have been turned and what happens if you drop somebody from the glory days of jockdom into, into the modern day and see what happens.
0: Yeah. With none of the experiences in between of how it got there. Before we get out of here, Paul, I'm going to put you through the ringer. You already okay. said the seat was hot, but now I'm going to make it a little bit hotter okay. with our four rapid fire questions of death. Are you ready? Oh, good
3: Lord. Good Lord as I'm ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. Question number one, your favorite Muppet. Oh man. My favorite Muppet, I think is probably, uh, the Swedish chef. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah the, good choice. The, having, having human hands really makes him, uh, makes him a, a, a player, you know? That's like a he's, good point. Yeah. He kind of stands out, doesn't he? He does. He does. He's capable of a lot more than the other Muppets.
0: There you go. Question number two, a guilty pleasure you're ashamed to admit to. Oh my.
3: I mean, I really like the new Carly Rae Jepsen album. Oh, I think it's awesome. And uh, (laughs) I'm kind of a Carly Rae fan. Very nice. Question number three, your
0: favorite 80s film or
3: TV show? uh, You know, I think there's something to be said for uh, Gremlins. Uh, oh, Gremlins okay. Gremlins is certainly, I mean, you know, there were a whole bunch of movies in the 80s that were amazing like Ghostbusters and, and all those, but Gremlins just sort of came out of nowhere and if you watch it, it as an adult, it's it's pretty dark uh, and it's a Christmas movie and there are all these things, all these, there's a, an amazing mythology to it. It's just like a, a, a pretty amazing, it's a miracle that movie was ever made. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. I don't think it gets made in today's climate, but. It does not. No, it doesn't. <laughs> All right final question a favorite comic book or character that you did not create yourself
3: Oh man I mean <laughs> that that there's there are a lot of characters uh, but you know I, I I might have to be boring and say Superman. Uh, oh, okay because Superman has always been sort of my my north Star and also he's you know he's he's sort of the original comic nerd you know Clark Kent with his bumbling and his and Fair his enough writing right. <laughs> about what Lois thinks of him and and he's and got everything. the
0: glasses and the pocket protectors going on
3: exactly and and you know how people say that 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 uh, Bruce Wayne is the disguise that Batman puts on I like that that Superman is the disguise that Clark Kent puts on right like he's not okay. pretending to be a nerd he's pretending right. to be this you know know, this, this leader of men and everything. And I find that really appealing. I don't know why people say that Superman would be hard to write. I think that he's kind of a, um, you know, if you've ever had to like step up in a situation that, that requires some bravery, I think that, that you understand what makes Superman work, right? Like he's somebody who's, who, who does the right thing, uh, no matter what the cost. And I think that's, that's something I I like in my fiction and that I like in the real world too. So
0: (laughs) pretty cool, Paul, thank you so much for joining us here today and listeners you can find all of paul links in our show notes down below attached to this episode thanks for having me listeners we'll be back right after this they're here marvel's x-men
3: on sega genesis
0: <laughs> system the game so separately First up on the roundtable today is a book that we are revisiting for the second time. Jason, you wanted to talk all about Amber Blake, issue number three.
1: That's right. I I think we all enjoyed issue number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Amber Blake, Mm -hmm. number three is published by IDW, written by Jade Lagardere. I'm not sure. And drawn by Butch Geis, it was okay. re- it was released June 12th. Well, let's talk a little bit about that release date. So that's June 12th, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That's right.
0: And today is June 19th. So you're like, oh, that's current. Okay. Well, that's, that's not too far apart. However, Surprise. another book comes out today. <laughs> Amber Blake issue number four also drops today. And we got it a little bit early from the 19th release date
1: today. But holy crap, we didn't even have time to get done with issue number three yet. I know. It was crazy. That That's kind of rare. You know, Marvel does that a lot. They'll do their books on every two weeks. But this, this series has been, you know, every month there's been an Amber Blake. And then, you know, about two weeks uh, after. Number three, number four came out.
0: This is a seems like an odd release schedule. Well, tell us a little bit more about Amber Blake number three in particular.
1: This issue, we know that Amber was went to a, a prestigious school that was. Maybe not so prestigious uh, on the underneath. A lot of bad things going on. She gets Mm -hmm. picked up by a secret agency. And in this issue, she has finally found, you know, the people responsible and also came across a long lost friend that she thought Mm -hmm. had been murdered. Uh, And then things heat up from there.
0: It's a crazy little story. I'm happy that she's finally, you know, theoretically getting retribution Mm -hmm. in this issue. But man, it feels a little rushed to me. Like, they're only in issue number three. They could have drugged that out for an entire, what you might consider a season, which in the comic book world is usually at least six issues, mm-hmm. you know, because you have a trade volume for six issues. I thought they could have drugged that out a little bit more, Uh, but it is kind of a dark fast-paced story, so I guess they're going to move on to bigger and better things.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Uh it, it was definitely a very fast-paced issue. I like that. The reason I picked this book and continue to do my weekly review Views on it when when it comes out is because it's just a, it's a fun espionage story and the art to me is fantastic in it and some of the action scenes are really well drawn and depicted.
2: Uh, I also found it to be the artwork to be great. I remember enjoying the first uh, episode of Amber Blake and then uh, it had a lot of promises like an espionage thing, like you like you mentioned. And this one, I found like it just mm-hmm. keeps getting darker and darker and hyper realistic. And it's mm-hmm. for me, there's not enough escapism in it. Like It's so it just feels like a drama television show. There's no I guess maybe what I'm looking for a little more in comics is a little more uh, something you can't do. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe in television or you can't do in a, in a film right. without tons of CGI. And this feels very straight laced. There's not even like a ton of action. There's just a little bit of intrigue. So there was no escape, a little mm-hmm. stressed I felt during it because it was so heavy and dark.
0: I'm having some hard times with this book as well as per, in particular issue number three. How many times is Amber Blake herself going to flip flop her damn mood in the yeah. middle of no, one yeah, page? Sure. Holy crap. One minute she hates that guy that she's teamed up with. The next minute she's kissing and humping him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, Jesus, it's like between one panel to the next. And I'm like, pick a lane with this character and never stick there. I, I'm i really starting to get irritated.
1: Yeah, she does flip flop, but she is also relatively new to the espionage game and had fairly traumatic Yeah, but experience. she's not new to
0: being a human. And that's human emotional stuff right yeah, there. Yeah, I guess. She's, you know, she's in her, what, teen 20s at this point because she's graduated this school or whatever. I'm guessing mm-hmm. she's in her mid 20s. It's kind of hard to tell. But I mean, holy crap, a human being doesn't change their emotional state. You don't go from...
1: You haven't met some of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's not just that she's like, like you might have with a wild, crazy partner who like one minute they're yelling at you and angry and the next minute they're trying to make love to you. and But in this case, you she goes from hating to making love to being sweet that I don't see as a realistic <laughs> thing. Like, can I make you cocoa in the morning? No, <laughs> that's not what this character showed me four panels ago. Let's jump on from that one to a book that I decided to bring to the roundtable, in no small part to the fact that we had a great interview with its creator, Roland Mann, a couple of episodes ago and mm-hmm. his new book, Cat and Mouse, volume two, issue number one. Now, this actually came out. It was a Kickstarter project. Roland Mann wrote wrote it. Dean Zachary drew the artwork for it, and it was a Kickstarter project that was fully backed and released back in June of 2018. The reason why it hasn't had any wide-range distribution yet is because that's the only real avenue that Roland has released it in other than on his website. Mostly he's just bringing it to conventions and selling it local from himself to fans of the book. We know what they say, if it's new to you, exactly. It's right. <laughs> so that's why we're a year behind on reading this book. The basic synopsis is it's based entirely Time off of the very first run of Cat and Mouse from way back in the 90s, back in the day. The synopsis of this one is when Brett's ex-girlfriend asks him to go to New Orleans to find her runaway sister, Bobby, he stumbles on a human trafficking operation run by Mrs. Johnson, better known on the streets as the Widowmaker. Now, why she's the Widowmaker? I guess she kills the men and then takes the girls and turns them into sex trafficking things or something. I think it's pretty straightforward yeah. to me, yeah. I guess. <laughs> in the interview, Roland and I talked a lot about it. He was he was wanting to write a real story, you know, something that's about a current real problem in our world in his comic book Cat and Mouse universe. And I thought he did a pretty decent job of it after reading this book. It was, the artwork was pretty solid. The dialogue was really well done. Uh, I think the editing was good, so I was a fan of this first issue. I hope that he's going to do more issues in the future. I thought it had really effective storytelling,
2: so I, I mm-hmm. agree with that for sure. I mean, the, the the way that he told the story, I think, is really good, like a cinematic way. Like you jump in the middle of some action, right. but you're also like you're getting a narrator's point of view telling you what's happening in the story while the action's happening, and then you jump back to go, you know, I, you know, six weeks later or six weeks mm-hmm. earlier or whatever, right. how you got to that point, and that's really it, it gives you a taste of what's coming. uh you're like, oh, how the hell did that happen? And then they show you how all that took place. which I thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know who a a cat and mouse is. Is this, it seems like an origin story. Is that accurate? It's not
0: really an origin story. I mean, I, I think there are some origin stories in here. The Widowmaker, Mrs. Johnson thing, that seems completely new. I don't remember that from the original cat and mouse stuff. Maybe not an origin story, but maybe a reintroduction might be... Okay. okay. Yeah, okay. it might be a little then, bit more. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. It, it, yeah. it is okay. kind of an origin, like you know, this might be sort of what happened after a crisis on Infinite Earths or one of those kind of books, right, where the stuff gets revamped. But it's not. It's kind of a sequel, but not really a direct sequel. Yeah.
2: Well, tell you what, what kind of left me out is I don't know. It's not like a Superman mo- story, like I oh I know who Superman is like right. So I don't I don't know who Cat and Mouse are, and so I really didn't know what it's leading up to, except for the cover art where I see this duo that appear to be mm-hmm. a superhero duo.
0: So I don't know where I'm going. Not having any background or baggage. Do you feel like the story interested you enough that you wanted to read more? Or is it like, "Eh, I, I just don't feel it and I'm not really interested in going further with it? No, I was interested in it. Yeah, okay.
2: it's. Uh, I mean, I had a couple of problems in general mm-hmm. with the book, but I mean, they're not like you know, damn this book. It's more. Right, right. We're looking at things with a critical eye, and so I made critical notes, but none of it had to do with storytelling, which I thought was yeah, great. Uh, right. I, I found that uh, the artwork, I, the, the 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 hatched shading was like overdone. I felt it was very kind of like weird, harsh lighting, and there was lots okay. of this hatch work for shading, okay. and that kind of disturbed mm-hmm. me a little. Um, and the other was really just a, a decision that kept striking me over and over and over, which was. Every time they introduced a female character, she had a bare midriff and a crop top. Every single. Character. And again, not a prude. It doesn't bother me. I'll look. It's just, I wonder who the audience is. Like, are you going for preteen boys that want to see women's bare midriffs? Because, I mean, if every single character looks like that, it's that's kind of hypersexualizing a bit. There or is, is that empowering? A, I don't uh, know. No, how you it's look at that. It's hypersexualizing. You know, like I'll give you right. that.
0: Although, I, in talking with Roland, I don't think that was something that he would consciously go for because the whole point of this yep. story was to shed light on a horrible tragedy going on in America which is sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the hypersexualizing that you're talking about, it's been kind of a staple of comic books for a long enough period of time that it's almost ingrained. It's and- not a cat and mouse problem. Is what you're yeah. Saying, right? yeah, yeah. No, it's they, an industry yeah. issue. And yeah. I think that there are uh, quite a few books who are finding ways to break that mold. However, what I'm finding, at least in the ones that I read, most of the ones breaking that mold are the ones that are based in either other properties and they're coming to the comic book world now. So something mm-hmm. like A Stranger Things. Right or yeah, Life is yeah. Strange that kind of stuff um, or they're ones that are specifically designed and drawn and planned to completely go against that whole motif I gotcha. yeah it was It was kind of like even like a game I was playing with myself after the first couple of characters I'm like <laughs> okay
2: well surely the next woman introduced one of them nope sure there she is there's a button, right. and I'm like alright well surely the, nope there's another one and there's one scene where it introduces like three women in cages every single one of them had the same like crop top Right. On. I'm like yeah. really nobody has a t-shirt really okay that's just well, odd
1: <laughs> When they introduced uh, Miss Johnson um, at the police station, she wasn't wearing a midriff, but that dress was super she was tight. Late,
2: but she did have she a slit all the way up to her that's head. True. Her side, this, she it had this did. black evening yes. gown at the
1: police department.
0: Yeah, that was, that, yeah, that was right. different. It, it, yeah. Yeah. That was one that Jennifer Lopez looked at and went, damn, I wouldn't wear that on the red carpet. That right, was great. Right. <laughs> that's saying something. <laughs> A good book. Definitely some things that we would like to see maybe drawn a little bit differently. And I know Roland, so I know he's going to listen to this podcast. He might Mm -hmm. take that under advisement when he's talking with his artists a little bit later on. Now, John, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Yep. I was going to try and find a segue into it or try and set you up or something, but there's Don't no point. It. Just no, you, no, okay. you run and start talking about your book. <laughs> well, as always, I pick my book just the
2: way I uh, I pick my favorite football team. What colors are jerseys? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no, no baggage. So I'm, I'm going through the list of what kind of what's coming out. And I'm like, again, just like before, you know, capes, spandex, you know, masks. And I almost toward the bottom and I came across this title never seen before. The cover grabbed me. It's Called Planet of the Nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out it's it's uh, issue number three. I didn't know that, so I've missed two of them at some point. Uh, it's published by Ahoy Comics, who I'd never heard of. I, I <laughs> right, asked well, George, and you are yep. like, I've, not, I've never worked with yeah. them either. I don't know. <laughs> but as you just uh, did in the interview with Paul, a little bit, written by Paul Constant right. and uh drawn by Alan Robinson, and this this issue drops uh just dropped, I guess, on the nineteenth which is today. Yep, the day this releases. The first two issues are already out, and I read. You got all three of them, and I read all three of them. <laughs> the synopsis for the whole. Series is as they write it, the angry, thought out jocks from the 80s search the world of the 19, of 2019 for the nerd <laughs> who froze them. Yeah. So, and uh, I'm going to start like rating maybe like how, how much I enjoy certain books by how many times I look down at the corner of uh seeing how many pages are okay. left in the book. So, so <laughs> if, if, if I'm like, oh, how much more of this, and I look down, I'm like, oh, so I'm it's on an page anger scary. Okay. Well, it's 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 just a it's like checking your watch when in your movie, like how much you're if you're enjoying it, then how quick does it go? Oh, and, gotcha. Or how many times do you check and see if I'm almost done? So I had three issues of this to read. And I every single time it ended an issue, I'm like, damn it, that's over? <laughs> Get the next one. I never looked to see what was coming up next because what whatever he did, this is probably the first book that we've read here on the show that I would be wow, interested wow. in a hard copy cool. of to have. It touches on a lot of the stuff that circles around the creation of Gen X Grown Up in general, mm-hmm. right? Which is the parent of this uh, show. And it's, it's nostalgic in that, just as the description said, there's these three jocks that during it accident they get accidentally cryogenically frozen right and they come come to life in 2019 and they literally were just pestering a nerd when they were frozen right they were in, they were in the action of harassing a nerd they wake up 30 years later <laughs> yeah and, at a comic <laughs> and convention. that was
0: that whole scene when they're in there at the comic convention and uh, now we're talking about issue number one at that point but issue yeah, number three right. is yeah, what yeah. we were yeah. looking at but I don't mind discussing all three because you're right these were all three very quick so, reads they, they were feel all so good. short through them Mm -hmm. yeah it's like who are you supposed to be oh you're Biff Tannen from Back to the (laughs) Future they were asking one of the jocks what the hell is a Biff Tannen what did he call me (laughs) yeah you're the bully from Cobra
3: Kai aren't you that's who you're (laughs) supposed to be
0: (laughs) it was very smartly written for sure and Paul in talking with him not just during the interview but also after the interview he listens to our podcast I think he was Thinking the same thing that you are—that these two things, his comic book and our channels, just kind of go hand in hand together.
1: That's awesome.
0: And I'll be talking a little bit
2: deeper about the story. That uh, so many things I want to say, and we have a limited amount of time, but th- there's a deeper like comprehension, a deeper thought into the writing, and it's very obvious that Paul was a writer before he was a comic book writer. There's a commentary on like current political climate mm-hmm. uh, because you know, these guys came out of the right. '80s, and he's and he's calling somebody, "Hey, gay wad" or something, you know? And you're like, "Homophobe!" You know, right. quickly somebody is. Is screaming and, you know, in, in quickly insensitive uh, and calling people out and calling the police right away. And it just it's, it, it shows the parallel between different times. And there, there's a lot of cool commentary about, uh, too, I think Paul said in his interview about how, you know, it used to be nerds were the subculture that was looked down upon and now nerds mm-hmm. rule the world. And I think that's the parallel in the name. If you're listening, Paul, Alan, uh, if, if I would love an autographed copy. Hunt me <laughs> down. I'll pay for it. I think you guys did an amazing job with this. And for a guy who does not read comic books, you you struck a chord in somebody that really is just more of an 80s nostalgist who... I, anyway, if if you like anything a Gen X Grown Up or Donna on a panel, this is a book that I think so you So we're going to put
0: all have. of this stuff in the second episode because we're going to have to do a part two as much as John is talking about it and it's only <laughs> going to be about this book apparently because poor Jason has been trying to chime in once in a I'm while sorry. to talk about his, and he hasn't even gotten a chance. So Jason, I'm it, very curious business. to know what you yeah. think, because you're not from <laughs> the same 70s or 80s era that we grew up in.
1: You're from more of the 90s. I was six in 1988. Um, right. But I do remember the 80s. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the book. I I Definitely the social commentary stood out to me with with just um, the way the po- police are, were portrayed. You know, they were shocked mm-hmm. when these armored police officers officers came up and then the cops are beating up the nerds and you know the money deal with the inflation so there was a lot of stuff that stood out Mm -hmm. that i thought was
0: yeah oh i love that when he's in there and he's trying to buy snacks at the place and he's got they've got 20 and they think they can buy enough food for a (laughs) month
1: yeah (laughs) they're like that's highway robbery that was
0: pretty i definitely
1: got a biff tannen vibe uh from the chad i think the 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 oh, main yeah. meathead. But also, I, I recently watched for the first time the movie Heathers and the guys reminded me oh. of those two kind of meathead jocks. The ones Heathers. that got shot in the woods. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They kind of reminded me of that a little bit, too.
0: There was some good stuff in this book all the way through. I mean, well, this book, we read all three. We were only going to talk about issue number three, but we could help ourselves.
2: I, I'm, it felt like one. It was so quick. Right. <laughs> I just tore through them. So many little things you could talk about. The statue of them that was so Wrong, yes. but so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah a million yeah. little. There's
0: I mean, there's so much good in this. I. It's obvious that we're gonna want to read issues four, five, six, twelve, thirty, whatever mm-hmm. and they end up yep. doing to this thing. So if you're a fan of it, Ahoy Comics is where it's published. You can definitely find the links down below in the show notes to grab some different digital copies or reach out to the publishers and the creators and ask them questions. It's well Do worth it. your time. Probably one of my favorites that I picked up. That's a new property, not based on anything else. It's. Only only in its own world in probably the last five or six months. It's really good. I'm happy John's found a
1: book that he's passionate about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. You were supposed to be
2: giving me the business and then you let me uh, run no, over No, it's, a, you, it's, a, it's a proud dad
1: moment for me right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks, Dad.
1: Look out. Here comes the Justice League. They'll be meeting in the Hall of Justice. Bring all your superheroes. Look through the world disaster map. Dial up a disaster. Open the screen. It's the Joker with his mini robots.
0: If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash gen x and we love to hear from our podcast listeners so please write to us at podcast at and that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick moment to thank all our wonderful sponsors, our patrons, over at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And that is you, Agile, T2, Stabaka, Slobo, Dana, Steen Will, Corey, Thomas, and Marcus. Thank you guys so much. Wow, one breath. You got through all of them. Yep. I Well, wow. you know, I keep working on it because I know it's hard. You know, I've got the half a lung thing missing and all, but I'm telling you, these people deserve every breath that i can give them that's for sure i mean they do so much for us they actually give us the opportunity for john to go out and buy planet of the nerds if he so chooses I, you know, there's a link in the show notes I saw that you
2: can go ahead and pre-order the, uh, the trade paperback for when it comes out in October. Absolutely.
0: And you you definitely it. should. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. <laughs> we will be back in two weeks with our regular episode. But next week, we're going to come back with one of my favorite story arcs of all time. The Teen Titans Judas Contract series. This is near and dear to my heart. It was the first story comic book arc that I ever read as um, like a teenager, not really an adult yet, but hmm. when I was really getting into mm-hmm. comic books and New Teen Titans, as everyone knows, is my favorite series of all time. This is a masterful work from Marv Wolfman and George Perez. I can't wait to talk about it, so I hope you guys will tune in. With that, I want to say thank you to Jason for joining us today. It's my pleasure. And John, always Later, appreciate frozen. you. nerds. Yep, thank you. <laughs> and podcast listeners We appreciate you most of all, and we will see you guys next time.
1: See everybody later. Bye-bye now.
2: Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the gww.com.